Chapter Seven of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Seven: What the Cabman Knew. When Cass returned from his day's work, he found Ellis impatiently expecting him. The doctor looked ill and worried. On hearing his friend's footstep, he rushed into the passage and half led, half dragged him into the room. Harry was much surprised at this unusual excitement on the part of Ellis. "'What the deuce is the matter, Bob? You're as pale as a muffin, and your hair is all over the—' "'Harry, Harry, never mind my looks. I am nearly worried out of my life by this—this this murder.' "'Or by Mrs. Moxton. Have you made any discoveries?' "'Yes. I have discovered the meaning of the letters R-U-Z and of the lizard sign.' "'By Jove!' Cass, in his turn, became excited. "'Well, well, go on, go on.' "'The letters are the initials of a man's name.' "'The murderer's name?' "'I don't say that, and yet he might be the criminal. I said so to—' "'But the name, Bob, the name.' "'Rudolf Zirknitz. Hm, a foreigner.' "'An Austrian. He takes his name from a town called Zirknitz in Austria, which has in its environs a particular sort of lizard found nowhere else.' ho ho now comes in the totem of our assassin how did you find this out the doctor sat down and rapidly detailed his discoveries and how they were brought about by the search for the will i revived mrs moxton from her faint he concluded but she refused to answer a single question in the end i was forced to leave her and for the last few hours i have been in a state of distraction i am so glad you are back put your sharp wits to work harry and tell me what it all means i told you before replied cass coolly and you flew in a rage with me saying that i had no grounds for the statement now you have learned the grounds and i repeat my belief this zirknitz is the lover of mrs moxton and she is shielding him from the consequences of having killed her husband no doubt at her request i can't i won't believe it of that poor woman harry facts are stubborn things bob the case is as clear as noonday to me ellis still believing in the innocence of the woman he loved would have replied somewhat violently to this declaration but that mrs basket entered with the supper it was now seven o'clock for since cass had been appointed critic to the early bird they had altered the meal from nine to seven in a few minutes mrs basket not being encouraged to chatter on this particular night left the room wondering what could be the matter with her gentlemen ellis trifled with his food feeling too worried to enjoy it but the less nervous cast did full justice to mrs basket's idea of an irish stew between mouthfuls he talked and answered the doctor's objections that is all nonsense mrs basket saying that mrs moxton had no visitors both she and her husband from what you tell me must be shady people poor devil he is dead so let us say no ill of him but mrs moxton i dare say she received visitors at night when mrs basket and her tradesmen spies were not about you have no grounds for making such an accusation fumed ellis keep calm bob i am speaking without prejudice no grounds well if i have not why did mrs moxton faint at the mention of that name why did she lie about the signs why did she feign ignorance of the place where her husband went every night she must have known i tell you bob that mrs moxton is fighting every inch 
and i dare say she is angry at your persistence in following up the case come now own up did she not ask you to leave the matter alone well she did admitted the doctor with reluctance i confess that i do not understand mrs moxton her acts are doubtful her words are strange and i agree with you that she knows more about this matter than she chooses to confess all the same harry i am not an absolute fool even where women are concerned and there is something in mrs moxton's looks and manner which satisfies me that she is a true good pure brave woman hm her conduct does not justify the use of a single adjective of that sort i know i know all the same i believe in her because you are in love and love is blind rubbish i don't believe in that worn-out saying i can see mrs moxton's imperfections as plainly as you can she is not a saint by any manner of means but a sinner no harry i cannot believe she is what you make her out if she inspired the murder why does she not run away because she is fighting for her fortune old boy but she is not even certain that a will is in existence so she says replied cass pouring himself out some beer but i beg leave to doubt that artless pose it is my firm conviction that she knew of old moxton's repentance and eleventh-hour testament that she got her husband to make his will in her favour and that she induced her lover zirknitz to put him out of the way so that they might enjoy the money together it is to reap the fruits of the crime that she stays on here bob that is all theory so was my earlier statement yet it has been proved true by yourself i dare say monsieur zirknitz came to see mrs moxton in the evening when her husband was at the merryman music hall i never heard of that place harry perhaps not it has been in existence for only two years the usual variety entertainment you know a man called otto schwartz keeps it a german a typical lager beer german not at all a bad fellow either dr ellis slowly lighted his pipe i wonder why moxton went so regularly to that place he said reflectively well he might have gone there to make love to one of the ladies who do the turns but i rather think said cass significantly that his object was to gamble from all his wife says about monte carlo and other places the man was a confirmed card sharper but gambling is not allowed in london no doubt a good many vices are not allowed in this most immaculate of cities in this tartuffe of capitals but they exist all the same i don't know for certain nobody does but it is rumoured that there is a secret gambling hall connected with the apparently innocent music hall of herr schwartz's ellis glanced at his watch it is getting on for eight o'clock he remarked let us go to soho to-night if you like i have no particular engagement but your reason i want to learn all i can about moxton if he went there to gamble herr schwartz will know of him also we might learn something of zirknitz as the book proves the autograph also he was a friend of moxton's so it is not unlikely he went with him to this secret hell you talk of very good let us go at once said cass rising but as you and i seem to have become amateur detectives let us conduct our case with due discretion there is one piece of evidence we have overlooked what is that the cab stand the cab stand and what has that to do with the murder bob bob you can write about eyes and their diseases but you cannot make use of your own optics 
it is probable that the murderer of moxton this zirknitz wished to get away as speedily as possible from the scene of his crime so it is equally probable that he made for the cab stand or the railway station that is much further away the cab stand is comparatively near the jubilee road but no cabman came forward at the inquest i dare say no cabman had any right to suspect his fare of murder but we will question those on the rank before we go to soho let us find out if mr zirknitz took a cab between a quarter past and half past eleven ellis shrugged his shoulders as you please but it seems to me futile to waste time in asking questions which cannot be answered we have yet to learn if our time is being wasted retorted cass and ending the conversation for the time being the young men left the house by this time cass had become quite eager to solve the mystery and willingly placed his quick wit and indomitable perseverance at the service of his friend he admired ellis greatly and there was quite a david and jonathan feeling between the two it annoyed cass to think that the doctor might throw away his life on such a woman as he believed mrs moxton to be and he undertook the case in hope of proving her unworthiness at the present moment appearances were decidedly against her yet in the face of such black evidence ellis still clung to his belief in her this instinctive feeling based on no unreasonable foundation was so insisted upon by ellis that his friend became quite angry it is the most sensible men who become the greatest fools on occasions he said with the rough speech of intimate friendship you have known this woman only three weeks and you are absolutely ignorant of her past life save what she has chosen to tell you the circumstantial and actual evidence points to her not only as a shady person but as a positive criminal yet in the face of it all you look upon her as a saint no i don't i told you so before but i feel sure she is a good woman i can give you no reason but i myself am satisfied without one as to your evidence harry you know the most innocent person can be wrongly accused can be even hanged on evidence which false as it is appears sufficient there is the lesurque's case for oh the courier of Lyon. i know and i can quote you at least a dozen others all the same i don't believe in mrs moxton well i do for all you know she may be protecting her sister cass stopped short has she a sister he asked i believe so at least in the books i told you about thomas gordon had written the names of his daughters lara and janet gordon the first is of course mrs moxton the second name must be that of her sister perhaps but the sister may be dead may be absent from england in any event i do not see how you can connect her at all with the murder the doctor had no reply to this pertinent observation as after all his remark about the sister had been made vaguely and without any ulterior meaning a turn of the street brought them to the cab stand at which cass as a journalist was well known he immediately began to question the men in a chafing popular way they were ready enough to answer his questions the more so as these were concerning the murder but one and all declared that no particular man had hired a cab between eleven and twelve on the night of august sixteenth oh like is the one to know though said a red-faced cabman he have a memory like his own horse there was a murmur of assent at this and old ike shaky lean ancient more like a grey wolf than a man was routed out of the shelter in which he was refreshing himself with tea 
affair on that murder night sir lor i don't quite know what to say about that eleven and twelve was it well now sir the chapsies at that time were at the station waiting the theatre trains weren't you chapsies oh that we were but you weren't ike said the red-faced cabman replying for the others you never does go for them late fares i was alone on the rank mr cass now i thinks of it i ad a fare to pimlico to geneva square where that silent house murder took place what was the man like asked ellis eagerly it weren't no man sir but a gal a short gal with a grey dress and a black cloak straw at fair air plump figure and small hands why cass he's describing mrs moxton said ellis wonderingly at what time did she take your cab ike just afore arf past eleven sir came tearing down the road wild like and crying fit to break her heart just tumbled into my cab she did and told me to drive to pimlico mrs moxton was in our room at half past eleven said calf when finding that this was all the information obtainable they walked away the woman can't be mrs moxton yet the description fair hair trim figure might pass for her i wonder who she is i know harry i was right after all the woman who cried and fled like a guilty person was janet gordon the sister of mrs moxton End of chapter 7 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California